class on how to rap. You know, it's it's a culture. It's knowing how to how a rapper moves, how a um, you know how an artist uh, conducts himself. So uh, so anyway. So uh, welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Black Stop Market Program. And uh, and so today, what I want to start off uh, by talking about is uh, I want to talk about something <clears throat> that's bigger than just the X's and O's of wealth. So later on today, we're going to jump into, uh, you know, some some deeper uh, issues in terms of answering specific financial questions that you guys may have in class. Um, and uh, and then, of course, those of you who can't make class <clears throat> every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, you can also get all the recordings at theblackstockmarketprogram.com. You can also get free access to what Dr. Boyce is buying, where I show you all the stocks that I really like for that week. And so I put another entry in uh, not too long ago uh, where I broke down some of the stocks that look like they're going to do well with the Biden infrastructure plan. The infrastructure plan right now is kind of the big thing. Um, you know, this, uh, all this, you know, spending on green this and green that like that's uh, that's an opportunity. Uh, you don't have to necessarily have a business in that industry to make money from it. You can literally just buy stock in these companies and make that work for you. Also, uh, cannabis is kind of a big thing, too. Uh, there's a lot happening in cannabis. So with that being said, um, let me uh, go ahead and, uh, and talk about something that's a that's kind of a big picture sort of issue uh, th because it relates more so to what we, um, you know, why, why we're here, why we do this. Uh, you guys know uh, in the Black Business School, we believe in what we call the Black Core of Three, the Black Core of Three, which is connected to what I call the B1 philosophy. B1 means putting our community first. Uh, B1 means putting, making ourselves the top priority. B1 means that if you want to solve a difficult problem, like a wealth gap or whatever, you have to really be focused. You have to be focused. You can't be all over the place. You can't be saving the world. You can't be solving everybody else's problems. Or if you, if you, I mean, if you want to do that, that's fine, but you have to do that after you solve your own problems, right? After you, after you fix your own family, then you can go save all the kids down the street. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. And so basically uh, the, the B1 community and, uh, and, 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 and our black core of three, uh, my my spidey senses got peaked this week because uh, over Memorial Day weekend, they were talking about the Black Wall Street massacre. Now, uh, let me just tell you uh, another piece of information you guys may or may not know about the Black Business School is that we believe in what we call the Black Core of Three. This is what's going to solve the wealth gap in America. Uh, the politicians can't solve it because they're just not very smart. We can solve it because we put our community first and because we, we're scholars. We think about these things. I have more education than people like Joe Biden, so I know how to break things down in a certain way and understand things in a certain way. Same thing is true of people like Dr. Claude Anderson. So so here, here's what the Black Core of Three is. The Black Core of Three basically says that most of white supremacy can be eliminated. Not all of it, but most of it uh, in your day-to-day -day life can be eliminated by focusing on three things. Um, one is educating our own children. Two is creating our own jobs. And three is supporting our own businesses. Edu educating our own children, creating our own jobs, and supporting our own businesses. Well, why do I pick those three things? Uh, and this is almost like, you know, we talk about religion, you have the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Well, that's that's our Holy Trinity. Uh, because basically, if you educate your own children, then they're not going to be trained to grow up and and honor white supremacy. They're not going to pray to the God of white people. They're going to they're going to actually honor black people. They're going to honor the black community. They're not going to want to put their energy into building for other people. They're going to put their energy into building for themselves. So that right there, just educating your own children, is literally a multi-trillion cross-generational wealth transfer uh, going from uh, from whites to blacks. Literally, I mean, just literally, because because think about this, if a kid grows up and he takes zero pride 
and going to work for a big white corporation, but takes 100% pride in working with other black people to either build or participate in a black owned business. Then what meet what that means is that through the course of his career, he's going to he's going to work. Let's say he works 40 hours a week. Uh, he does that for 50 weeks a year. That's 2000 hours a year uh, over a decade. That's 20,000 hours of labor. So over the course of a lifetime, he's going to put about 100,000 hours of labor into uh, somebody's business into somebody's, it might be his own, it might be somebody else's or whatever, right? Um, so 100,000 uh, hours of labor, multiply it, let's say that his labor is worth $50 an hour. Well, uh, that's $5 million. That's $5 million of black wealth. Your labor is wealth. A big part of your labor is wealth. That's how America got so rich. America uh, became a wealthy country because they stole labor from black people, right? And so America continues to be a wealthy country because they continue to steal labor from black people, but they don't steal it directly. They steal it psychologically, right? Because when you grow up and you believe that your mission in life, your purpose is to go and work for a, a white person your whole life, then you're going to end up giving $5 million, like literally like a donation to a white supremacist system. You're giving them $5 million in human capital. Like in finance, we, we talk about different forms of capital. A lot of people know about financial capital. Well, that's easy. Everybody knows what that is. But what people don't also understand is that there are other very, most capital is not even financial. Most of your wealth is not related to how much money you have in the bank. You know, so, so when you are transferring uh, 100,000 hours of labor to a big white corporation, like you come home and say, look, mom, I'm, I'm a middle manager at GE. I'm, I, I'm working at Xerox or whatever, right? Then what you're doing is you're literally making a wealth transfer of about $5 million uh, to white supremacy. So you do that. So let's say you train, you know, uh, 40 million black kids to go and give $5 million a piece, make $5 million donations to a white supremacy. Well, you're talking about a wealth transfer in the trillions every generation. Right. And these are little things that people don't talk about because this is high level stuff. This is stuff that um, that I want to make sure I express this at the at the top of, of every mountain. And uh, we spent literally over a decade building an audience of over a million black people across the you know across the nation. Uh, and it was independently built. We raised our own money. We raised probably about 15 million dollars over the last 15 years. We've employed dozens and dozens of black people. We have uh, supported the Powernomics Corporation to the tunes of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, and we've done this independently, completely under the radar for the most part, uh, without help from corporations, without help from the government, uh, because we knew that this sort of message is very radical. I mean, it's, it's almost crazy. It's, it sounds crazy at first, right? But when I break it down for you in little bite-sized chunks, you get it, right? Give me a yes if you understand what I just explained to you. Give me a yes if, if this sunk, sank in, right? This is the hidden wealth that gets taken from the black community. This is where, this is where the money's going. Right. Uh, it's like it's like if, if you have a patient in the hospital and the doctors are like, gosh, the patient keeps losing blood and I don't know, he's not bleeding anywhere. What's going on? Right. Well, sometimes you need to, somebody that's get this got special medical equipment and, a, and an expertise who can look maybe through an X-ray and say, no, he's losing blood because he's bleeding internally. You don't see him bleeding internally, he, internally. He, he was in a car accident. He looks like he's OK. But what happened is, is his, you know, his, his kidneys ruptured or whatever. And the blood is leaking inside his body. Right. So for you, your money is leaking uh, in, in, in very subtle ways, almost ways that you can't even identify. Like, like you know, it's easy to point out things like, well, look at how, many, how much money black people spend, you know, in the white community. Yeah, that's that's very direct, very clear. Right. You know, you see how you know, they set up businesses in your neighborhoods and uh, and suck wealth out of the community. They don't give the wealth back. If you give something away and, and don't get anything back, then that's a net loss. Right. For you, that's very clear, very direct. But what people don't see is how much wealth is lost just due to labor. And so that's why one of the things that um, 
that we start off with in the Black Core 3 is that Black people have to educate our own children. Because if you educate your children, what you're doing is you're shaping values. Uh, pay attention to, for example, has anybody else noticed how when your child goes to school, uh, how, how many millions of our kids are going to public school every year and they know more about things like pronouns, what pronouns to use, and, you know, then they know even about reading, writing, and math or Black history. They don't know who Marcus Garvey is. Marcus Garvey is not as important to learn about as the proper pronouns, right? Whether you're gay, straight, LGBT, whatever it is, right? right? So why would learning pronouns be more important than learning about Marcus Garvey? Well, that's because education isn't just about learning and information and knowledge. It's, it's about shaping values. You shape a person's values through how you educate them, right? So with, with, with Black people, the reason Black people have to educate Black children, and Dr. Alicia and I, my wife, Dr. Alicia Watkins, I like, I like saying that now. It's kind of cool. Um, but she, is, she and I formed a foundation, uh, the Dr. Boyce and Alicia Watkins Foundation. And what we do is we raise money and we donate only to independent Black-owned schools. We only donate to schools that are run by Black people who have a B1 philosophy, who are shaping values of our children in a way that is going to build the Black community and build wealth. These are the little steps that you have to take in order to uh, solve these very deep, very serious problems. Uh, so the, the second part of the Black Core 3, besides educating our own children, is creating our own jobs. Uh, I've noticed, sure, uh, we have a lot of you know racism where maybe you're, you're worried about you know being shot down by a cop or something like that. Um, and honestly, if you think about it, I, I don't know when's the last time you had a confrontation with a police officer. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. I'm just saying that I think that's a little bit of, um, a, of a distraction from uh, the racism that you feel every day. Uh, so if I was to do a survey and I said, how many of you in the last year have had a confrontation with a cop where you thought the cop was going to kill you, right? So maybe about 2%, maybe 5% of you would say, oh, I did. A cop pulled a gun on me or he beat me up with a billy club or whatever. Maybe, you know, some some small percentage, right? But if I said, how many of you have had a situation where uh, you went to work and you had a white coworker who mistreated you or you had a white boss who uh, passed you over for a promotion, or you went to work feeling stress and anxiety because you had to deal with people who don't like you in an environment that is unfamiliar to you. Well, the overwhelming majority of you would say yes, right? Uh, in fact, if I would say right now, give me a yes if you've ever gone to work and just been angry and annoyed and mad because of the racism that you were dealing with on the job. Give me a yes in the chat if that's if you've gone through that, right? So, um, so, so I I realized that the best way we can help black people is to teach them how to quit their jobs, right? It's just like teaching uh, abused women how to get out of a bad relationship. If, if they get away from the abuser, then they can find their happiness, find their bliss, find their peace, find their safety, find their security, regain their self-esteem, all these other things, right? So a lot of you are victims of abuse and you don't know it maybe because you were raised to believe that marrying the abuser was the only option that you had. And I'm here to just say that there are more options for you. So we have to create our own jobs. And then also lastly, supporting black businesses, because when you support black businesses, you support the ability of those businesses to create more jobs. So it becomes kind of a cycle, right? A cycle. So what I've actually talked about in my, my plan for the year 2070 for the black community, I have a 50 year plan for the black community. We've been working on this for a decade is basically um, uh, I, what I call the great redirect. The great redirect is where, uh, you know, where you don't necessarily walk away from things like integration. I think integration is uh, is a fine concept if that's what, if, you know, if it, if it works for you. In fact, it makes more sense, right, to engage the world. And, you know, when I think of integration, I think of it like almost like conversations, right? Like like me uh, living next door to uh, a, to a white guy 
It doesn't mean I have to hate him. It doesn't mean I have to, you know, never want to talk to him or never communicate with him. It just maybe means I have to get myself in a position where I'm not dependent on him, right? It's different. Like I have a white neighbor and it, it's one thing if I just see him and, and I'm in the front yard and I'm cutting my grass and he's cutting his, I say, hey, Bob, how you doing? I don't even know his name. Let's call him Bob. That's, uh, that's I'm antisocial that way. So I say, hey, Bob, how you doing, man? Oh, I see the kids are growing up, right? That's pretty cool, right? That's fine. No problem. But it's different if I come over and say, hey, Bob, I have nowhere to live. And me and my family have to come live in your basement. And uh, can you give us a place to live? Right. That's a very bad form of integration. Right. That's not healthy. Right. Bob is going to look at me like I'm crazy. He's probably going to mistreat me. He's going to not respect me. He's going to say, wait, you're a man. You should be your, your family should have their own house. They shouldn't be living with us. So to some extent, economic integration, the way it was done through the civil rights movement, that's the epic fail of it is that you didn't integrate in a way where you were empowered and you actually had your own economic base. You came over almost like beggars. You were dropped in as paupers uh, in a low, you know, in, in a system. You 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 were dropped in in a way where your job and your goal was to uh, basically support white supremacy by integrating yourself in a lower tier of the vast American economic building. You, you didn't integrate through the penthouse. You came in through the basement, right? And so effectively, you and then you were committed to the basement. You were taught to believe that getting into the basement was the best thing you could ever do. Uh, they didn't talk as much about building your own building where you could be in the penthouse. They said, no, come in here and get in his basement. And that's going to be an upgrade for you. And a lot of you said, wait a minute, I don't like living in the basement. This is the basement is not where I belong. I belong in the penthouse, too. How come I can't get in the penthouse? Well, you can't get in the penthouse because that's not your building. Right. So a lot of the uh, policies have been uh, have been misleading. And this actually leads to what I want to dig into for uh, for one second with you. And then and then at that point, uh, just so you know, the live part of this conversation is going to shut down. I'm going to answer questions for those of you uh, who are in class. And, and, and those of you who want to join us in class can go to the blackstockmarketprogram.com where I'm going to answer your specific financial questions because uh, because I, I want to make sure that we give you the, the specifics on all this wealth stuff and how this works. But I want you to see the big picture, right? Uh, and the reason I do it that way is because I believe that the why is more important than the how. Sure, I'm going to talk to you about all the hows, all the details and every question you have, 401ks and uh, you know IPOs and every, anything you want to know, I can answer all that because I've taught college students for 27 years, right? Uh, but, but the why, I find, is really the part that drives you. That's the emotional part. That's the part where you say... I got to do this. Like this is, again, shaping values, right? Like, okay, we got to do the reason why it's important for me to be an independent, uh, to be economically independent as a black person is not because I want a fancy car. It's not just because I want a bigger house. It's not just because I want financial security. Those things are great. But it's really also because I want to have uh, a, 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 a more uh, positive experience uh, in America and in life. I want to feel empowered. I want to wake up feeling uh, strong and good and solid. I don't want to wake up feeling that somebody else is almost in a position of being a god over my life and controlling my my outcomes and my happiness. OK, so uh, so right now, Joe Biden, and I'm going to pull up this article that I found on CNN. Biden is actually addressing the Tulsa race riots. Uh, if you don't know, this is the 100-year anniversary of the Tulsa massacre. Now, by the way, guys, I, we did do a film called Resurrecting Black Wall Street, The Blueprint, that was directed by uh, Dorian Chandler. And that film is, um, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm not going to, uh, you don't have to buy it. I'm going to actually show it for free. We're going to show it uh, probably in, in the next um, uh, maybe week or so. I'm going to, I actually got my team on this. I didn't think about it. Alicia actually gave me the idea to uh, to bring it up. And, and so uh, anybody who wants to uh, to watch the film, uh, make sure that you go to the blackbusinessschool.com and, and make sure you're on our email list because what I'm going to do is I'm going to send out an email to you guys 
and let you know when we're going to show that film. It's a very good film. And uh, it, we did the screening in Chicago back in 2015, 2016. And uh, the, I mean, the, 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 the whole theater was completely packed. There was a line out the door, down the street and around the corner. And everybody thought it was like a rap concert or somebody's giving away free Air Jordans. It was like, no, these were black people that were coming to learn their history and to be educated about, you know, about the Black Wall Street massacre. So we, we made that film. We're really proud of it uh, because one of the things we also believe, uh, this is why I have you guys in class read the book, um, How the Jews Invented Hollywood, because uh, I want you guys to build a black Hollywood. You know, Tariq Nasheed has a new, new movie out called Buck Breaking. I think everybody should see it because we have to be able to create our own blockbusters or what I call blackbusters. Uh, the blackbuster films are the seminal uh, elements of the, the development of what is ultimately going to become a multi-trillion dollar a black movie industry. But what also needs to occur is that when you're planting those seeds, you have to learn how to be good farmers. You have to know how to water the plants. You got to make sure the plants get plenty of sun. So that means that your children are going to be a part of all of this because they're going to learn different skill sets that allow them to run businesses, to manage healthy relationships, and to learn how to develop structure, right? Instead of saying, okay, I want to spend my whole life working for somebody, they're going to say, let us let me get together with a consortium of investors, and we're going to go and invest in something and build something and create something, right? You That's how you build up a, a what I call fertile economic soil or a healthy economic ecosystem so that when Tariq Nasheed comes out with another blackbuster or his child comes out with, you know, with, with a film 30 years from now, There'll be a network of, of black uh, people that own, I don't know, movie houses and or, or, or different organizations where they all come together and a thousand of them say, oh, yeah, we'd love to screen this film. And next thing you know, that film, they, they invest a million dollars. The film makes 20 million. And, uh, and then you just rent and repeat. Right. That's how the Jewish community built Hollywood. Uh, they, they did in a really great way. Also, relationships were really important because you saw that there were competing factions within the Jewish community that couldn't really get along. They were fighting. They were suing each other. Crazy things were happening. But they worked out their differences in order to build what you now know as, you know, MGM and Universal and Warner Brothers Studios and all that stuff. OK, so uh, so Joe Biden uh, is addressing the Tulsa race riot right now uh, because it's the 100 year anniversary. And, uh, and one of the things that he mentions, and there's an article in here on CNN uh, that you can feel free to take a look. And it says that uh, he says he, they also, his administration also claims that they want to reduce the racial wealth gap as he commemorates one of the worst acts of racial violence in US history. The president will deliver remarks to memorialize the hundreds of black Americans who were killed by a white mob that had attacked their neighborhood and burned dozens of city blocks to the ground. He will meet with surviving members of the community tour the, uh, the Greenwood Cultural Center and outline his administration's efforts to combat racial inequality in the nation. Okay. And there's more to it. There's a lot more to it. And, uh, and, I, and, and some of what he, they claim that they want to do is they want to have a $10 billion uh, community re revitalization fund uh, in his infrastructure proposal. Uh, the fund will be uh, targeted to economically underserved and underdeveloped communities like Greenwood. Uh, the fund will support adapting va vacant buildings and storefronts to provide low-cost space for services and services for entrepreneurs, et cetera. Okay, so and it also has some competitive grants for about $15 billion. Now, here's where I want to kind of um, break this down for you so you can kind of know how to view this and how uh, and kind of what to look for uh, because because it's very easy to kind of get tricked by the politics behind this. And I'm not assuming that their, that their intentions can't be you know, somewhat good, right? I, I, I don't trust politicians, to be honest with you. But uh, at the same time, I don't want to be completely cynical and say, oh, this is all garbage. This is nothing. This is stupid. Uh, I, instead, I'd rather give you a little bit of the nuance that I'm seeing here. Okay, so so the thing about this is, 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 is this. Look, um, you know, here's the bigger picture, right? And this is, and what I want you to avoid is getting caught up in the symbolism of 
of of of Tulsa and and the the acknowledgement by the Biden administration of what happened in Tulsa. Uh, Tulsa is one place where a terrible thing happened, but Tulsa <clears throat> is one of probably uh, you know uh, ten thousand different scenarios where black wealth is stolen in, in a community. So so at best, Tulsa is a reflection of a, of a broader systematic issue. Now remember. When you're talking about dealing with the race gap or the wealth gap and dealing with uh, inequality in America, whatever you want to call it, or, you know, uh, uh, racism in America, you're talking about a system. Right. And you cannot really challenge a system with a systematic problem without a systematic solution. Right. Does that make sense? That if you want to understand a systematic problem, you have to have a systematic implementation of some sort of broader based solution. So when I see Tulsa, um, I what I know is going to occur is there's most of mainstream media and even some other black commentators maybe who aren't thinking about this issue as deeply as we are, uh, they're going to see the symbolism of it. They're going to say, okay, Biden needs to address what happened in Tulsa. Uh, this was wrong. Uh, I'm glad he brought it up. We need to do make 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 things right in Tulsa. And I, and I completely get that. Tulsa absolutely deserves all of that. But what I really want you to understand, too, is that there is a $15 trillion issue here uh, behind the scenes. The $15 trillion issue is this issue called reparations. And that's something that Dr. Claude Anderson and I have been speaking on consistently for a very long time, that uh, that if you read books like Black Labor, White Wealth and many other books that are out here, they will explain to you that uh, a, a $10 billion you know, grant is not going to do it. Um, $15 billion community development fund isn't going to do it. You need something that's in the trillions. Uh, even Robert, not Robert Smith, Bob, Bob Johnson, uh, the BT guy, uh, he, to his credit, he actually mentioned that uh, that black people should get, I think he said about 14 trillion. So uh, so you can round it up to 15, uh, 14 point something trillion or whatever, right? So so give or take a trillion or two. You're talking about something that's much bigger than than what they're really ready to uh, completely address. So with, 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 with a lot of this um, uh, conversation on Tulsa and the race riots and the massacre, I, I would look at it in, in maybe three levels, right? You've got uh, the symbolism, right? Just, okay, we acknowledge you. We, maybe we'll apologize, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, et cetera, right? Symbolism doesn't mean much of anything. It only helps those who have low self-esteem or who need somebody uh, who, I guess, maybe because you think white people's words are important and golden, you need them to acknowledge you in order for you to feel better about your life. I don't, I'm not one of those people. I'm not in that category. Uh, the second step, the second level is when he talks about steps to close the racial wealth gap. Uh, and, and now that's coming through uh, the conversations about grants and, 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 and you know, and, and, and funds and things like that, which isn't completely bad. I'm not saying that, you know, that he can't do more for Black-owned businesses. But remember, this is not something that's being specifically done to address the specific things that specifically happen to Black people. This is part of the broader initiative to uh, push forward the infrastructure bill, right? To get black folks to get on board with what is already being done, right? They're moving forward with this infrastructure bill, whether you talk about reparations or not. And so what they're basically saying is, hey, black people, again, just like in the election, things like that, uh, we need your support on the infrastructure bill and here's where you're gonna benefit from it too, right? And I'm not gonna say that we won't benefit from it, but that's very, very different from addressing reparations in in, 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 its, in its entirety, right? So the next level, the next level, which, which would actually be much more effective, would be to um, to really just say specifically, 
we did this specific thing to black people, descendants of slaves over the last 400 years. This specific thing must be addressed in a specific way, specifically for black people, specifically because of what we specifically did to them, right? Racism was specific. The mistreatment of black people was very specific. The stealing of black wealth is very specific. So the, so the only solution that will work is a specific solution. If the solution is not specific, then it's not really a solution. It's, it's, um, it's, it's something else, right? And, uh, and, and then there's the next tier, which is the one that I'm actually pursuing, no matter what, is the one where we say, okay, we can actually address the racial wealth gap. Uh, if you look at the average white family, I think the average white family's wealth is about 177000 or something like that. It's very easy through the things that we do in, in the Black Business School to explain to you exactly how by taking very basic steps, your family wealth can exceed $177,000 within about uh, within about 20 years, right? So it might take some time, but it's, it's very easy to do. And some of you will even move faster if you if you start a business and your business takes off, which I've seen that happen for a lot of people, uh, you know, then it's going to happen faster than that, right? In fact, most of the, um, I like to do a little fun little um, uh, question in the chat where I'll say, how many of you are doing better than most of the white people you know? Raise your hand. So say something in the chat. Give me a yes if you are doing better than most of the white people you know. Uh, they, a lot of the students in the black business school are doing better than most of the white people that they know. And many of you didn't start off with a silver spoon in your mouth. You know, Alicia is, you know, my wife. Before we, we got married, you know, I, it was so funny when, when, you know, because people know that I have a little bit of money. I'm not a broke person. I'm not broke. Uh, people said, oh, well, she's married him because of his money. Well, no, she, she's a black woman that knew how to get her own money. She had her own stuff right, before we got together. And, uh, and and she didn't grow up with a silver spoon in her mouth. She grew up in Gary, Indiana, the murder capital of the world. They didn't have much money to buy much of anything. She, we would joke about going, her going to the skating rink, and she would get two dollars, and that was only enough to buy a soda, or I, I think it was like either a soda or 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 a hot dog or something. She couldn't get the soda and the hot dog, right? Like like we had those sorts of problems, what we call those poor black people problems, and we joke about that. But now those problems, a lot of those problems are gone, right? At our wedding, they played the George and Weezy song "Moving On Up," and that's what our life story was. You know, we, we, like I know, you know, I when I was in Florida, I'm not, no, sorry, Texas. That's right. When we got married, uh, there were ro there was a uh, there was some sort of roach or something. They got into the bathroom, and the kids are all screaming because you know they're little bougie kids. They never really seen been through nothing. I saw the roach. I said, "This is not a big deal." Like we had roaches all the time, and I just knew how to. You just flick them away. You just pick them up, throw it in the garbage, and it wasn't. It's not a big deal, right? So, so, so the point is that many of you can relate to that. Many of you understand what I'm talking about because you also maybe grew up in a situation where money wasn't abundantly available, but now you're doing better than most white people around you. And a lot of that's because you made certain choices, right? You made choices to uh, invest in education, right? You're making a choice to invest in the time that it's taking for you to even be here and listen to me right now. You can't listen to somebody like me every day and implement even one tenth of what I tell you and still be broke and poor 10 you know five ten years down the line it's not it's just not possible right uh you know you uh you 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 put money into your stocks when other people were spending their money on other things right on consumer items right you made certain choices right and and i think that that's where um it's very important to understand that that you know at the end of the day there are choices there are choices it's funny now that i think about it when me and alicia got married uh two weeks ago we actually did go uh we, the song we came out to literally i, I kid you not is the e40 song called choices 
called Choices. And uh, there was a rapper in our wedding named Willie D. I don't know if I told you all that. And Willie was like, he said, say, man, if you if I'd known you was going to play the E-40 song, I would have got E-40 on FaceTime. And I was like, oh, man, that would have been cool. Like, I didn't even think about it, right? But the song was called Choices, right? And I like that theme for this conversation because at the end of the day, you have choices. And I think that when people tell you that you don't have choices, I think that's a little disingenuous. Uh, it's unempowering. It's very depressing. Uh, in fact, actually, they showed that the um, when they study rats and they measure depression by the amount of serotonin in the brain of the rat, they found that rats who don't have choices are more depressed. That when you don't have freedom and liberty and you don't feel like your outcome is uh, is is going to uh, be impacted by your choices, then you start getting sad because you're saying these bad things are happening to me and there's nothing I can do about that, right? So a lot of Black folks, uh, depression and anxiety is a big problem in the Black community. Uh, Alicia and I did a session just yesterday on the Black Love Channel about Naomi Osaka, uh, the richest uh, female athlete on the planet. She made more money than she set a record. She made $55 million last year, but she's depressed. And we talked about that because millions of Black people struggle with anxiety and depression. So what I'm what I want to help you understand is that there's a connection between uh, the, the high rates of anxiety and depression that black people feel and the, this consistent narrative that you're just a victim, that you know, this consistent idea that you can't change your condition. You know, this this belief, this false belief that nothing you choose to do is ever going to matter. So so the black folks that tend to become empowered are those who say, no, actually my choices do matter. Uh, you know, I, I can take some accountability for my life. I can't really uh, change whether white people like me or not, and that really doesn't matter, but I can change whether I like myself or not, right? I can't change what they do, but I can change what I do, right? You get what I'm saying, right? So when you're talking about solving this wealth gap issue, when you're talking about solving uh, all these problems, uh, sure, there are things that the Biden administration should do. Hopefully some president will do. Uh, but there are many, many things that we are going to do. Right. And uh, and also, uh, if, if a good way to kind of think about this is, is this. Um, I want you to think about the wealth gap uh, as, as a physical gap. Right. Uh, and, and by the way, everybody who's online, uh, I'm about to shut this live down in a minute. Uh, we are in the Black Stock Market program. And in one second, I'm going to start answering a million questions that you guys have. And I will stay here as long as as, as I can to answer as many questions as possible. So I wanted to, I really wanted to address this reparations thing first. So we're going to shut this down. So if you want to come in, just go to the blackstockmarketprogram.com. You can leave me questions in advance and all this stuff. And the first month of the program is a dollar. So feel free to uh, take a look and give it a try. All right. So uh, <clears throat> I want you to think of the wealth gap like a car or like a, <clears throat> the distance between two cars, like a physical gap. Right. And so um, so if I were if somebody said, gosh, there is a, um, a a gap. Right. The white car is 100 miles ahead of the black car. Right. <clears throat> and uh, we need you to address that gap. Well, um, there are a few ways you could address it. Right. You, the first level you, is you could say, uh, well, OK, we're going to acknowledge the gap. We're going to acknowledge that, you know, that that there's a gap and it's wrong and it's mean and you shouldn't do that. And, and that's just not cool, right? So that's like a symbolism, a symbolism kind of response, symbolic uh, reaction, right? Like, I'm not going to really do anything, but I'm going to apologize for the gap. I'm going to uh, acknowledge and tell you, yeah, I see the gap just like you do, uh, et cetera, right? And that's kind of what you get from a lot of politicians. It's just sort of a, a, an acknowledgement. And they only go as far as you force them to go, right? So typically, we don't force them to go any further than simply acknowledging that life isn't fair and that uh, it's hard being Black. So then there's like another way to close the gap where somebody says, um, hey, in order for you to close the gap, what we're going to do is we're going to give you a ride. We're going to um, we're going to come pick you up. We noticed that you're 100 miles behind. So we're going to come pick you up and we're going to drive you 
Uh, we're going to pick you up in the white car. We're going to drive you a little bit further down the road. Now, we're not going to drive you the whole 100 miles. We'll drive you maybe 10 of those miles or 15 of those miles in order for you to be a little bit closer, right? That's kind of what these infrastructure plans and bills are, these little grants, you know, community development, uh, you know, grants or whatever. Uh, because remember, a lot of these uh, gap closing measures, alleged gap closing measures, are only driven for uh, for poor black people. Right. They're not even acknowledging that there's a gap between middle class people or, well, even wealthy people. Right. That that, you know, a, a black person who works their butt off, who's worth you know half a million dollars would have been worth, you know, four million dollars if they were white or whatever. Right. So so it's more so to say uh, that this is a poverty program. Right. Do you follow what I'm saying? Like, it, you know, a lot of these alleged you know gap closing measures basically become poverty programs, which say that if you are not. Uh, cursed enough to be poor and to have stayed poor, then there's not then there's no need to give you anything or to support you in any way to make you whole again, right? So that's like saying that if a rich person, um, you know, has uh, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in the bank and somebody takes eighty thousand dollars out of that person's bank account, that they still got twenty thousand, so they're going to be fine, right? Uh, it, it, whereas if they'd had you know five hundred in the bank, then we'd give them the five hundred back, and, and 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 I can understand that, but that's not that's not actually closing the gap. Right. So 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 the second tier of closing that gap between the two cars that they're 100 miles apart with first tier is acknowledgement. Right. Symbolism where you, you get a lot of that. Right. When they put Black Lives Matter on the street or, or or just all get down on their knees and say we honor black people. Right. That's symbolic. Right. And then you've got the uh, that, that measure of saying, OK, we're going to put you in our car and we're going to drive you 10 miles, 20 miles up the road, get you a little bit closer so you'll feel a little bit better. Right. And, and then there's like another level that that is actually more um, suited to what I believe, what I'd like to see is uh, one where you say, okay, not only are we going to help you close the gap, uh, we're going to actually give you the money to buy your own car so that you can drive that car and you can close the gap uh, in, in, in a car that you own, right? You own this car. So we want you to have better education. So we're not just going to build more schools in your neighborhoods that are run by white people. We're going to actually give black educators you know, a hundred million, a hundred billion dollars or whatever to build and create schools that are run by them where they're doing what they want to do. They're implementing their vision without our, our oversight. A lot of the things that, that they do, money comes with power. So a lot of times people want to maintain power. Even if they give you money, the money comes with a string attached. It says, okay, we'll give you money as long as you make sure your kids learn their pronouns and all these other stuff, right? Well, whereas there are black, black educators who might do better to just say, look, just give me, you know, my give me my hundred million dollars to build my school and I'll figure out the rest. I don't need your interference at all anymore. We got this right. So that's actually the ideal implementation. That's probably not going to happen in America because I don't know white folks historically to ever really give away massive amounts of resources to black people in a way that there are no strings attached. That's why the Black Business School to this day does not take uh, corporate money. We do not take government money. We do not want any of that money because we don't want any strings attached that are gonna slow down or water down our agenda because we know the answer to these problems. We know how to implement them. So even if we have to do it slowly, we're getting it done. We've trained over a million black people on how to invest in the stock market. And because I've done the research on this area, I know how massive that's going to be over the next 50 years. Again, it's fitting right into my 50-year plan for the black community, which used to be a 60-year plan, but we're 10 years into the plan and everything's going great. Now, wealth is the biggest thing in the black community. Rappers are rapping about wealth. 
everybody's talking about wealth. There are thousands of platforms across the country now where they're they're digging into wealth because they now know what I've really kind of pushed for a long time. And, and other people like Dr. Claude Anderson and Marcus Garvey pushed it before me that wealth is the one thing that will make all the difference. Wealth is that one thing that if you change that, that's going to change everything, right? Wealth is that one driver. Like money can't buy happiness. Like with Naomi Osaka, Alicia and I explained yesterday, money can't really buy happiness. But I do know that not having enough money can easily buy you sadness, right? If you need money and you don't have it, you're going to be very sad. If your kids need new shoes and food and you can't buy it, it's going to depress you, right? And you're going to do um, really ugly, horrible things, embarrassing things in order to go get money, right? So so with that last piece here, uh, so I mentioned to you, uh, so again, we're talking about the wealth gap as if it is a physical gap, like two cars that are separated. So there's three levels, right? One, I can symbolically acknowledge the gap and say, I feel sorry for you. Uh, gosh, that's terrible. Black Lives Matter. Uh, I hope things get better, right? Then two, I could give you a ride. Like white folks can give you a ride. They can put you in the car and drive you. 10 miles, 20 miles up the road. So you'll feel better about the gap. You'll say, okay, you know, we went from, uh, you know, like, like the crack, the, the cocaine, what was it? The powder to uh, powder to crack disparity, whatever they called it. Um, you know, that, that it was a hundred to one in sentencing. And then they went down to like 20 to one and, and everyone was like, oh, that's so great. That's such a big deal. But I'm like, wow, but 20 to one, that's still a big deal, right? That means, uh, so, so 20 to one or 18 to one is 18 to one. Sorry. 18 to one means that if I was going to get a five-year sentence for powder, I'm gonna get a 90-year sentence for crack. And am I, I'm supposed to be happy about that. I still don't feel good about that, but I guess this is better than the, than what you had before you feel like that's better. Like Malcolm used to talk about that. Malcolm X said that if I stab you and I pull the knife out a couple inches, <laughs> then, you know, that's not really progress, right? I'm supposed to pull the knife all the way out and heal the wound and, and compensate you for what I did to you, right? So, um, so, so the second level is if they drive you in their car to close part of the gap for you. The third tier, which I would just think would be awesome, I don't ever think in my lifetime white folks are going to be this generous, but maybe one day it'll happen, is when they, if they literally are writing multi-billion, multi-trillion dollar checks to the black community, no strings attached, to allow us to uh, to do what we got to do, right? That That's like, so I'm letting you close the gap by giving you the money to buy your own car so you can decide what kind of car you want. You own it, you can drive it, and you can close the gap yourself. I think that'd be awesome. Like if they wrote a no strings at uh, attached check to the Black Business School for a billion dollars, guess what? You would have a Black Business School franchise in every city in America, and we would just do this ourselves. We can do 10 times more with 100 times less. It's very easy because this is what we know. But so the last piece, though, uh, this is one more piece I want to throw in there, though. Uh, besides them buying the car, um, I think also, though, you have what, and this is the, the, the this is the solution that I think is most effective. Now, this is the one that's working now, is where we as a community commit ourselves to say, look, we may not ever get the 15 trillion that's owed to us, but we have 1.4 trillion per year in economic power that goes out the window, right? 1.4 trillion, most of which goes out to uh, to other people, right? That 1.4 trillion could be used to buy, you know, 50 football teams, 50 NFL teams. It could be used to buy maybe not even 50, maybe 100. I don't know. I didn't do the math. It could it could be we could buy universities with this 1.4 trillion. We could buy all kinds of stuff with this, right? So. My my hope is in what I call that great redirect, where we do, again, going back to the Black Core 3, educate our own children. Create, well, there's no excuse for that, right? You got the internet. You got people like me out here that can educate your kids for you. We, can, we, we got everything you need. Educate our own children, create our own jobs, and support Black businesses. By doing those things, then what you're effectively doing is you're, you're, you're saying, look, they're not going to buy us a car. They're not going to give us a ride. Uh, they'll only acknowledge the fact that there's a gap. But using the resources we have, we can actually... Uh, design and build a car 
build a better car. Maybe it has to be a little more energy efficient. Maybe it has to be some sort of new design. Maybe it has to be very creative or whatever, but we can build a car that will allow us to close that gap. And so by us talking about economic intelligence and making economic intelligence and financial literacy and wealth building and black wealth building in particular, the most important value norm within our community, then what's happening is that millions of you are already closing that gap. Again, I told you, if I do a survey amongst the people that follow this platform and say, how many of you are doing better than most of the white people you know, the majority of you would actually say yes. And it's not because you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. You're not a bunch, you know, it's not as if you're just a bunch of rich people who got together to be bougie. No, many of you were born, you know, eating the government cheese and with the roaches in the house and, and dealing with all kinds of issues that, that poor people have. The difference was, though, that somebody put something in your brain that led you to solve your problems in a different way, right? And to become a little bit more empowered. So I believe in the last solution the most. I think that um, I don't, honestly, I don't have a lot of faith in white people. I have a lot of faith in, in smart black people. In fact, so I don't have a lot of faith in white people as a whole. I don't have a lot of faith in black people as a whole. There are a lot of black people that aren't gonna get these things and not gonna understand what I'm talking about. I have a tremendous amount of faith in that talented 10th, that 10% of the community, which is you, who are making decisions now like, for example, the $5 a day investing plan, I showed you mathematically a thousand times in our lectures how that literally puts you in a place where in a, within a generation you have more wealth than white people. Uh, basic, basic, basic steps uh, where the, what's, what's, what's getting you ahead is, is this, right, uh, is intelligence, intelligence, what's in your brain. Um, you know, I could sit down with, with less money. Like, think about this, because I know economics and finance so well, I can sit down in a fair and square negotiation with less money than another party. And if you give me five or 10 years, I can have more money than that other person because I know how to play chess in a certain way. And if that person only knows how to play checkers, then I'm going to win, right? So your children, by being economically intelligent and being economically prepared and and, and being super sharp about, about ownership and, and thinking about the taking taking the higher the high road as opposed to the low road economically, that child is gonna sit down in the year 2040 and they're going to go into all kinds of transactions with other people, and they're going to know how to shape the transaction in a way where they benefit. They're not going to show up and say, oh, okay, so your tuition for this big white university is $100,000 a year. I need to give you $100,000 a year in order for me to get a license to go work for white people. Your child is going to say, no, I think if I go to college, I'm going to go to the school that costs a little bit less, and I'm going to put my energy into starting a business so that I, I'm going to take my resources and, and, and position them in a way where I get the net benefit. So Because capitalism is a game. Capitalism is really a game. It's a game where uh, the people that position themselves and their families in the right way end up with the majority of the wealth. The people that position their families in the wrong way end up having the wealth taken from them. So if you ask me, do I think capitalism is exploitative? Yes, I do. I really do. Uh, and I can't change that. But I can change how you position yourself in a capitalist society uh, where you don't fall for the same tricks that are indoctrinated into you, you and your culture at an early age. I mean, you, you, you have to be trained to be a consumer the way some of our kids are. You know you, you know what I'm talking about when you see people that don't have a lot of money, but they always got the latest iPhone and they got a Gucci bag and a pair of Air Jordans on their feet. Or you see people that uh, that don't want to learn anything about financial literacy, but they know how to twerk and they know all the they don't they know about their latest rap you know the, the latest rapper's lifestyle and, and who he's dating and everything else, but don't know nothing about what to do with their their econ with their economics right. Or, or people that 
you know, graduate from high school, can't read, can't write, can't do math, but they know all the pronouns and they know plenty of white history, don't know anything about black history, right? You have to be indoctrinated into this, right? Or, 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 or families where uh, people take more pride in their relative getting a job than they take in their relative starting a business, right? All these things, y'all know what I'm talking about. So uh, so that's it. So that's the solution. That's what I think. And uh, so I don't really know what Biden's going to really do uh, one way or the other. I don't really care, honestly, because I think we've got this. I really think that you right now, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. You're going to be successful. Uh, the people I worry about are the people that are not aware of what's going on. Everybody's not built the same. Some people are honestly just more intelligent than others, to be honest with you. I'm not saying that they're stupid or anything like that, but maybe they're either distracted or maybe they just don't have the ability to process on that higher level. Uh, so that's what I'm kind of worried about. I really hope that they put something in place to help all those people who are not going to be doing the things that you're going to do with your families, but just keep doing your thing and you're going to win. Okay. So anyway, I'm going to shut down the live portion. I'm going to answer your questions. I talked a little bit longer uh, in the, the public part of the class uh, because I, I feel like this issue is very, very important. And I hope that this helps you in terms of understanding why the economic intelligence piece is so critical uh, in this whole situation. Okay. So uh, those of you who are not in here, Feel free to go to the blackstockmarketprogram.com. I'm literally going to spend an hour and a half answering questions uh, from students. So if you want to come in, you got a specific question for me about anything you want to do in your economic journey, just go log in at the blackstockmarketprogram.com. All right. So uh, so here we go. All right. 